Spooky Spouses, a podcast about ghosts and stuff. Are you interested in the paranormal? And then all of a sudden we hear this. Down a hallway, when there's no one else there, I would go, maybe there's a ghost farting around these halls. Intelligent conversations. Uh, we don't know a lot. We were, we don't at all. And we never claim to. Furbies. Do these things so you could essentially kiss the Furby, but you're really kissing your ghost partner. Furbies again a little bit. I don't know. I don't know what you want your Furby for, to but. To kiss. <laughs> Biting people. Do you like a food enough to bite middle schoolers for no. it? No. <laughs> Do you? Mystery boxes. A box full of human heads was reportedly stolen from a medical supply truck in Denver on Thursday. Find the spooky spouses wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> Excuse me. It's back to the 90s with a cute rom-com about how money doesn't matter, except when it does. Also... Rosie Perez is a fashion icon. What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! Interesting choice of words. What is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the beat! Not the beat! Oh, my God. I'm a pixie pair! (laughs) Okay, let's run. We watched It Could Happen to You from 1994. And uh, this is The Unbearable Fate of Massive Talent. I'm Brittany Green. And I'm Liz Kurtzman. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was a cute movie. We, we watched a very cute rom-com from 1994. Uh, and this was one that I had, I remembered from like TV. Yeah. And I remembered that Rosie Perez was funny and that it was cute. And that's pretty much all I remembered about it. Rosie Perez is really giving um, uh, the um, girlfriend from Young Frankenstein in this. <sighs> yes. Uh, Madeline Kahn. Which is kind of over the top. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was um, like Madeline Kahn meets Eartha Kitt. It was mm-hmm. like her performance. It was very funny. Um very just like fabulous uh and also she's supposed to be the like honestly the the young frankenstein is a good reference because she was they were wrong for each other in that movie for sure and Mm -hmm. she sort of portrayed as like this greedy um materialistic person in that as well uh which our 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 gal grosie is in this movie you hadn't seen this one no i don't think i've seen this one before um i liked it all right yeah it's fine. So basic plot, broad strokes. Nicolas Cage is a cop. There's this very bizarre montage in the beginning of talking about what a good person he is. Yeah, it, it's we've talked about this before. It's the savior cat, except he yeah. saves everyone. He saves every cat. <laughs> he saves. He stops a robber. He like carries a blind man across the street over his shoulder. Yeah, he <laughs> delivers a baby on a bus. Like everyone loves him. He's a selfless. Uh, the voiceover is just like he is the Isaac best Hayes, cop. By the way, the voiceover is Isaac Hayes. Immediately is Isaac Hayes, um, and they're just talking about how he's the best cop who's ever lived. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, "Is this copaganda?" Yes, <laughs> it sure is. It absolutely is. Um, and then, okay, the, yeah, the mystery of Isaac Hayes is immediately presented to us. Yeah, that was the true. That was the rosebud of it could happen to you. <laughs> because not only was he providing. The narration, which makes sense when you get to the end of the movie. Yeah. 
But he delivers he do- it straight to camera. He looks at the camera and is like, I'm Angel, whatever his name is. And then he says, uh, you know, this is the story of blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, "He's can he see us? Like, what? He's also, like, clearly omniscient. Like, he knows yes. what's going to happen the whole time. And he is- which is weird because it also seems like he's just kind of, like, living the movie alongside everybody else when you find out who he is at the end. He's both living the movie and also someone who is from the end of the movie and knows the whole story. But he's yeah. in, like, every scene. Yeah. And, oh, it's odd. <laughs> it's an odd choice. Such a weird framing for this. It's scene. sort of like one of those movies, like, Love Actually, where you have a character that might be, like, an omnis- omnipotent being or something. Like No, we were, we were coming up with, because his name was Angel, I was like, what if he's an angel? Yeah, I think he might or, have been an angel. what if he's Rosie Perez's dead father? <laughs> or... <laughs> You actually pretty early on called that he is a reporter. I, I figured out. is reasonable, but, like. Yeah, well, because they have the press, not not the press, I guess it is a press thing, where, like, uh, when when Nick Cage is getting the Medal of Honor for that, getting yeah. shot, and there's all these people, he's standing there, and mm-hmm. he's not asking questions, he does and, like, all the others are, like, trying to ask questions and take pictures, and he's just standing in the middle of them watching, and I was like, I think he's a reporter, but he also, once again... Is he at all the other parts where there's reporters? Not all of them. He's never in, like, the crowd that's pushing and asking questions. He's never in the paparazzi. They could have made it more obvious. He could have been, like... I don't think they wanted it to be obvious. I think that it was supposed to be the I surprise. Think it, I think they wanted you to be like, who's this mysterious man? What is um, Isaac Hayes doing in this movie? <laughs> which was actually the question we asked constantly. Just wearing his own outfits. He The first time we see him and he talks to the camera, he's wearing a lobster tie. It's great. <laughs> I, I, he had a uh, turtle tie clip at one point. Yes. Just he, very Every fun. time he had that leather hat on. Yep. Very fun and funky. Incredible. Um, yeah. So some things about this film. Uh, originally, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger was supposed to play Nick Cage's part. Uh, <laughs> but he did Last Action Hero instead. <laughs> he did like a few of these like sort of weird... I don't, I don't think he's ever been in, like, a true rom-com, but he was in, like, Kindergarten well, Cop and... He's in like, Kindergarten Cop and, uh, oh, what's it, Junior are also... Twins. Twins. Those are all rom-coms. They always just have a weird twist in them. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think if he was ever in just, like, a rom-com. I don't know. This was his, like, early... Can you imagine that? Yes. Yes, I can. It would be great. <laughs> I love this era of, of Arnold Schwarzenegger because he would just be in a movie and have like a Austrian an Austrian accent with no explanation. <laughs> no, he just gets to be whatever he wants. Even yeah, he would he... be like a small town cop, and they would just be you know talking in his Arnold Schwarzenegger voice, and everyone would be like, "Yep, makes sense." Yeah, that's totally normal. Yeah, absolutely. I think they should do that more. Honestly, I would love that. It would have been better for Michael Caine in our last movie. <laughs> They would have just had him talk in his normal it's speaking just, voice. Yeah. Um, who else do you think? Because I will say this up top, I guess. Um, I This this role is not uh, uniquely not, Nick Cage. Not my ideal Nick Cage, by he any means. He is very restrained. Very, he's, he's good in it. He's it's fine. fine, yeah. It's But I think I could also see a young Mel Gibson in this role. Oh, yeah. any I think anybody could have been that character. Yeah. Yeah. So, other than the fact that it's a cop and he plays cops all the time. He does. He plays One of the cops. IMDb trivia points for this movie was, like, um, 
it said this is a uh, uh, one of two movies in which Nick Cage plays a cop. And I was like, there's okay. a lot more. When was that comment written? <laughs> 1994, maybe. I don't know. I can come up with off the top of my head, like, at least three or four. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Um, but this movie is sort of based on a true story. Okay. Tell us how it's based on so a true story. So the real story is that um, it was... Phyllis Penzo, an officer, Robert Cum- Cunningham, um, and it is this guy who split his lottery ticket with a waitress because he didn't have a tip for her. Well, no, it's not. Okay, let me back up. It is a cop that split a lottery ticket with a waitress, um, but a lot of other than that, it's almost all different. Okay. Um, so he'd been going to this p- pizzeria um, for 24 years. So they, like, had a long-standing... Yes, but also they were... Friendship, because they were both happily married and remained happily married after this happened. Um, But she helped him pick out lottery numbers um, by one day when he was, like, just there, you know, eating. And he was like, help me pick out some lottery numbers and I'll split them with you. Um, And then he won. So he went and uh, it was six million, so they each got three million. Wow. Yeah. And that, that was, was better than what story. they got in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Why do you think they shrank the amount of money? I don't know. I think it could have been just as good. Six, four and six is not... I can understand if it was like a lot and they backed that money up because of like they want to create conflict. Right, because it does kind of create a conflict when it's four million and then that goes to two million because yeah. like we were talking about... Even in the early 90s, like, $2 million is not that much money. Um, it's not, like, never work again money. Yeah. So, which is sort of how they were acting in the movie, and I was like, I mean... And then, like, they were acting like that, but then also, like, also renting out so Yankee much. Stadium. If they were like, we don't have to work anymore, and then continue to live normal lives, that's... You could probably make that work. Yeah. But they were, like, you know, they are both spending a ton of money. And I'm like, well, that you're going to run out of money at this rate pretty fast. Yeah. Um, but if it had been, like, the full $64 million or whatever they said it was at the beginning and it hadn't gotten split down as far as it did, then, like, who cares, right? Like, yeah. You're going to have, like, Take tens some, of millions yeah. of dollars. Just, like, have some. Yeah. Yep. Um... But yeah, we started out this movie, like we said, uh, Nick Cage is, is the perfect cop, um, running around Queens, just everybody loves him. He plays stickball with the kids in the neighborhood. Everyone loves him except for his wife. <laughs> his wife. Who is so fed up with him being a, a good cop and not a crooked cop, because said, then at least they would make some money. <laughs> she said at least if he was crooked, he would have ambition. <laughs> um, and she's a hairdresser, and uh, I mean... Rosie Perez is, is the shrewish, you know, greedy wife in this film. She's also the most fun character in the film. Absolutely. Like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, both Yvonne and Nick Cage are very vanilla. Yeah. In this film. And they both, I mean, for, to down to what they wear. They wear the most boring clothes. Yeah. And Rosie Perez is out here <sighs> being Rosie Perez. Yes. With her, like, crazy bright colors. And- Every outfit she wears, I'm like, is still fashionable. Oh, yeah. It's still incredible. Yeah. Um, she's making self-portraits of herself. She's putting so- her self-portraits <laughs> of herself on the wall. That's how Nicolas Cage should have known that they were getting divorced, is that she put a self-portrait of only her. Of only on her. <laughs> but, yeah, it starts and, like, they aren't, 
in a happy, they're in sort of a like whatever. They sort of live separate lives and. They're just complete opposites. Yeah, it doesn't make sense that they're together at all. And he gives like this explanation later that they met in cooking class in high school. And then got married, and I was <laughs> they like... They met in cooking class in high school, where it was that thing where all the guys wore Chef Boyardee outfits. <laughs> yeah, and I said, what? <laughs> that did not happen. <laughs> uh, wait, did they used to just make the boys dress in chef hats and... That's what he said. <laughs> they made the guys wear... All the guys would be wearing the Chef Boyardee outfits, and then you'd just be like, knowing that a fire alarm was going to go off, and you were going to have to go outside in your Chef Boyardee outfit. But he said the guys the would guys. wear... yes. Which makes me think that the girls were not wearing Chef Boyardee outfits. I think they dressed like Betty Crocker. I yeah. think that's what the women did in that class. Must be. Um, Yeah, and he's just like, yeah, and then we got married, and I, I don't understand. They clearly are... <laughs> They don't have anything in common. He said she was the first woman or first girl I ever. Uh, and I said, what? Like, <laughs> Made a souffle for? <laughs> um, it's a, yeah, it's an odd pairing from the start. And so, like, she has him. I had a, definitely a moment when her character was introduced where I was like, wait, Rosie Perez is Nicolas Cage's wife? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It doesn't. It was a weird moment, even from the get go. Before you were like really get that she doesn't like him. Yeah, like it was just automatically kind of a strange pairing. It's automatically just picturing those two next to each other. You're yeah. like, huh? Oh, huh? Maybe Nicolas Cage in a different movie. That now see, <laughs> we talk a different movie. That's kind of the sad thing I think about this one is that Rosie Perez was giving everything in this film. She was, and he. I mean, this is how they were written. He was just so like you know. He was a um, romantic lead, and he could have been played by anybody, like yes. we were saying. And if if the two of them could have matched energy, This could have been Tom Hanks and uh, uh, the woman that's always in every Meg time. Ryan. Yeah, Meg Ryan. Yeah. This could have been Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Absolutely. I think it would have been better with those two, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah. they always had, like, a chemistry. Energy. They yeah. always had, like, a fun... Even when they're into, like, whatever movie, they elevated it. And, yeah, I just think that uh, Bridget Fonda and... Nick Cage were just a little too subdued. Yeah. It was sort of fine the whole time. I liked Um, when they were uh, rollerblading together and giving out uh, free subway rides. That's definitely the best part, was when they got to, where they were just spending money. They were just having fun together. Yeah. That was cute. But then we meet Yvonne at her worst, which is when she's in court for bankruptcy because her husband, uh, who is a failed actor, played by... Stanley Tucci. Very young Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci and his most just, it's so upsetting to see Stanley Tucci in this role. Yeah. Because he's the perfect man in real life. (laughs) And so it's upsetting when you see him playing like the antithesis of everything that Stanley Tucci actually is. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Uh, A selfish slob failed actor. And you're like, that's the opposite of my Stanley. Still a magnificent uh, chest hair, though, yeah. when he comes out in a oh, towel. Like, ripped, also. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely ripped. He still is, even now that oh, he's yeah. in his 60s. But, yeah, no. Yeah. Because like, he, like, looks If he wasn't slubby. such a dirtbag, I'd be like, all right, Stanley. Tucci. He's at that stage of balding where he hasn't shaved his head yet, but it is balding on top. Mm-hmm. And it's not a good look for anyone to have that hair. And so when he first came in, it was kind of like, oh, Stanley. But then he came out without the shirt on, and I was like, he's still ripped, though. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Um, he was fun. I wish he was in more of the movie, even I though did he too. played an asshole. Yeah. It would have been fun to see him more. Oh, no. I found the uh, part when he, like, is back in her apartment and is, like, trying to get her to give him money and is saying that he won't leave, like, very upsetting to watch. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He played it. I mean, he played a real scuzzbag. Yeah. He did a good job. Um, yeah. And then, oh, Yvonne is a failed actress from Pittsburgh. Which is where we're from. <laughs> so a real rock bottom. <laughs> real, real sad start. Uh, she also references her incredible performance in Our Town, which made me laugh. Because, like, <laughs> referencing Our Town is, like, the most sort of, like, basic theater thing. Mm-hmm. It's, like, whenever somebody is like, well, I did Our Town, it's always like, okay. Um, <laughs> it just makes me laugh. Because we've all seen Our Town. Um, or been in Our Town. Uh, yeah, so she meets Nicolas Cage... Nicholas Cage's character, Charlie? Charles Lang. Charlie Lang. Charlie. Um, Charlie and his partner, Bo, who's played by Wendell Pierce, um, come into the diner where she works, and she's having a bad day, so she's pretty rude to them. Um, and he, they order food, like, they order their food, but then get a call that they have to go on. Yeah, can we back up to when they're ordering their food, though, and mm. Nicholas Cage's character doesn't know what he wants yet, and so he makes a joke. <laughs> That, like, just pisses her off. But yeah. he's like, how's the lobster thermidor? <laughs> and I could only think about uh, that dumb SNL sketch with John yes. Mulaney that's, like, six minutes long that is so funny. Yes, it's so good. And it is a joke the about how, like, diner. It, how in New York there's all these, like, diners that have the on the menu and no one ever gets it because why would you order lobster? In a diner. In, a, in like, a crusty diner. Um, so I, that made me laugh because it was just... I just wanted Keenan Thompson to come busting through in his lobster <laughs> outfit. And they're all just singing Les Mis and Pete Davidson is just giggling in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't seen that sketch... Oh my God, look it up. That's the best one. And that was one that John Mulaney said that he pitched when he was a writer and no one wanted to do it. And then when he came back as a guest, he was like, like we're, we're doing, doing it. Les Mis lobster <laughs> sketch. Um... Yeah, and I think that it was supposed to be one of those things where, and we've all, who've worked retail or food or whatever, have had that, like, joke that every customer makes. I think that was what that was. Yeah. She was, like, not having it. No, she was like, hmm, great. Funniest joke I've ever heard. I'll come back later. (laughs) Um, I definitely had those. When I worked at the chocolate shop, it was, and I, every, every person said this, who said, uh, well, if I worked here, I'd be 400 pounds. And it was always 400 pounds. <laughs> like it was, everyone said that, and I was always like, ha yeah. Can I help you? <laughs> um, did you have any of those? Uh, so, the only thing I can think about is that I used to work at Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. And, um, the close, there, like, the people, there's not, like, movie rental jokes, particularly. Yeah. However, uh, Avatar came out while I was working at Blockbuster, and mm. nobody would stop talking to me about Avatar, and to this day, I have a vendetta. <laughs> so you love Avatar 2? No. <laughs> You're like, I will, I will not be seeing Avatar 2. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I got so sick of it. Um. I can't I read. That I know I should. I worked at Coldstone too, so I'm surprised I don't specifically yeah. remember people saying that. I feel like there's got to be some for Coldstone. But, like, I was in high school, so yeah. maybe. The only one I remember, I won't read the book Dune, and I also haven't seen the movie yet, because when I worked at the bookstore 
and I was trapped at the counter, there would be so many weird guys that would just talk to me about Dune. It's definitely a Rick and Morty <laughs> thing because, like, the fans of the thing yeah. are not the thing. Right. Yeah. Um, Where, yeah, it's hard. At the same thing, I haven't watched uh, It's Always Sunny, which I know you want uh, me to because I when I it. worked in the kitchen, all of the dudes that were the worst would joke about it all the time. And I was like, I'm never going to watch that damn show. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it so much. Um, yeah, so anyway, that was, Lobster Thermidor was her... Uh, um, was her avatar. Was her avatar. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, then they have to run because they get a call uh, for a crime in progress, I guess. And he goes to pay her. Oh, yeah. It was like a naked dude running around in the middle of the street. Oh, was A it? very New York crime. <laughs> oh, that, that explains why they weren't rushing too yeah. much. Um, because he was like, oh, I have enough money to cover the coffee, but not for a tip. And she was like, sure. Whatever. whatever. I, don't I, don't give, I don't care. And he's like, I'll tell you what. I'll either come back or tomorrow I'll come back and either give you the tip or give you half of my lottery winnings. And she's like, sure. Um, so they run off and do their job. And, of course, they end up winning the lottery um we didn't talk about why they played the lottery oh that's very important (laughs) very important um rosie perez had a dream that her dead father wait she was playing playing the dream changed throughout the movie yes it did but the first time it was she was playing the slot machines and she got three cherries but instead of three cherries it was three of her uh, dead father's face Mm -hmm. and he had fours in his eyes or dollars and dollar signs like you know it was very dream Mm -hmm. logic-y and so she's like and so i know that this was a sign that uh we're gonna win the lottery yes and she tells him to play her birthday and their anniversary as the six numbers. Yep. And he uh, does, he gets their anniversary wrong. Yeah, he does it for the day that they usually celebrate, which is the day before. Yeah, and um, not the actual day they got married. Yep. Um, So she's mad at him until they, they win. win. Uh, and then, like we said, they had to split it up with a bunch of people. And yeah, the, the bowling team, which is uh-huh. my favorite tertiary character. Oh my god, the bowling team is so good. I love the little background <laughs> chatter when they're like on the fancy like lottery winner boat party and they're like, We bought the bowling alley. Yes. And then they talk about the different kinds of fish and like I love them. And they always have bright yellow on. Yeah. Always dressed matching. And they're all like that. old New York guys. Yeah. Um, I love them so much. Which is honestly what I picture any bowling team looking like. Absolutely. That's what I want. I just want them to be like old Italian men. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> my parents are on a bowling team, so I guess it's probably, like, my parents, their one friend that I know is on that team, and the rest of that team is a, old Italian men wearing yellow jackets. Absolutely. That's the only people that are allowed in the bowling alley. Yep. <laughs> uh, and so, obviously, Rosie Perez, Muriel, is not happy <laughs> when, when he tells her, I have promised half of the winnings to someone. Oh, no, she, she is pissed. She's like, well, don't give it to her. I think that's a fair... Um, which uh, is, like, honestly a fair thing, because no one expects... Like, you could go in and give her a $100 tip. And she'd be thrilled. She'd be thrilled. And, we, you know, that'd be a nice thing to do. Um, but, as we've established, he is the most decent man in New York. Um, even his partner is like, man, don't give... We don't need to give her the money. Like, it's fine. He also buys her a gift. Yeah, he it's buys her... Nice. It's a very nice... It's a very thoughtful gift. Um, but early on, I'm like... 
she was so mean to him the previous day too. Yeah. So it's like a little weird that he was it's like weird that but, yeah. Was that Again, because he was preparing himself to not give her the money? I think so. Because and then he just saw that I she was they, so nice to yeah. like the guy who had AIDS. Yes. Well, he comes in to talk, you know, and she is like way nicer on this day because she has been like, okay, I'm gonna do my best with this and I'll make it work. And she's like, so she sees him and she's like, I'm so sorry about yesterday. It was a really bad day for me. I'm just having a lot of money trouble. And then he watches her be like really nice to her customer. She's really nice to this like um. Yeah, this this man who has AIDS and is um, clearly not doing very well and is a regular customer. Um, he watches her boss be super mean to her um, and dock her pay because she let someone, like, go get their wallet and they didn't come back. Um, and so he's obviously just, like, feeling more and more guilty. And so, yeah, I think he wasn't going to give it to her. But then, and he even, like, tries to give himself one more out where he's like, do you want the tip or do you want the lottery winnings? And she doesn't always want, so she's like, sure, give me the lottery winnings. Um, and so then he's like, great, you got $2 million. Uh, <laughs> and she gives ice cream to everyone in the store. <laughs> Which is such a cute thing. Um, and then the guy at the register is, like, keeping track of how many scoops of ice cream she's giving out. <laughs> um, yeah, and then they sort of do, uh, there's, like, a press conference where all the winners get to, like, get their picture taken. And he has convinced his wife that, like... She'll be able to get, like, endorsements for her beauty parlor. She's like, you're going to be known as the woman with the heart of gold. And that, like, kind of wins her over a little bit. Yes, and she likes that. um, because She, She like, instantly is actually so smart with the money. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, she is, like, ready to turn that money into more money immediately, right into action. Listen, she's a lot of things. She's not lazy. She's immediately, She's not lazy, and she's, like, pretty smart. Yeah, she would trust the wrong people in the end, but she yeah. But like she's like we're gonna, f-, you know, he comes in and she's renovating the condo or their their apartment. And she's like we're gonna rent this out once we've re- renovated it, and then we can move to Jersey, and you know then we can buy a nicer place there. And he was like, well, I don't want to go to Jersey. I'm a Queens guy, and so yeah, like from the beginning, she's just steamrolling him. Yeah, you know, with what she, which is supposed to be sort of the like double standard is that like yes, he has. What he did, like, giving away half their money without her consent is bad. But also, she also doesn't ask him for any... Right. Like, neither of them are consulting each other. About anything. About because anything. he didn't consult her either about the $10,000 gift that he was making to the police widows union. Right. And he didn't consult her about, you know... I'm sure he didn't consult her about renting out Yankee Stadium for the kids in the neighborhood to go and play baseball there. Yeah. You know. All which is huge, which... huge, huge. Yes. Amounts of money. Yeah, but it's okay when he does it because it's... It's for good. It's for... He's giving it away. Whereas for her, she's like, oh, she's spending it on herself. And it's like, well, you still gotta talk about what you're gonna use your money for. Um, Listen, guys, I'm not married, but I would advise all married couples to let each other know if they're gonna rent out the New York Stadium for a bunch of kids. Um... We also were really confused by just the math in general in this film. I don't know how they ended up with four million. I oh I yeah, don't... none of the math. Made none sense. of the math, math because in this film. It was she when she was on the phone. She was talking about how they were going to make the bowling team count as one, except for then it obviously didn't because the bowling team was getting nine million. Yeah, but then there was like twelve other winners. Yeah, it was it very did, confusing. it was very confusing, and then they were just like. 
but then spending like, money like crazy. They spend money like crazy. And even the the passage of time in this film doesn't make sense. No, it was really hard to tell how it was long. So confusing. Like it a was year hard to might tell. have passed. During it could this. have been a year. It could because have been like a year. by the end of the movie, they're they've had this court case where they're like, I guess it was the divorce case, right? It was yeah. a very high profile divorce case. Yeah. And in Which that time, she also used... got a boob job. And healed from it. And, and he got shot it. in the arm and healed from it. Yeah. And. But all of it feels like it's like the next day. Yes. It's the next thing happening. Everything is always like, it seems like a, a one day has passed. But you're like, no, more time must have passed. Um, well, we'll get to that later. I have questions. What was the relevancy, really, of him getting shot in that I robbery? I uh, to... Was it another? Because like nothing really came of that. Oh, I guess he got the uh, Medal of Honor and he gave money away to the police union. That and also I think to get him out of his job for a while. Yeah, because he did. I think his character wouldn't quit, but they wanted him to not have a job so that he would be bored and would start to spend time with Vaughn. Yeah, but then they like their first activity is rollerblading, and he doesn't have the cast on his arm. You're right. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think it was just a reason for him to actually quit the force. Yeah. Um, or have some time off. Have for some a time while. off for a while, uh, and yeah, to give away money, and again to just like, I think, keep them in the public eye, yeah. because they are they they every time they do anything in this film, New York Post oh, does a giant headline about it on the front page. Yeah, New York Post. I kind of see it for the New York Post, if I'm honest. Yeah, because um, they are generally kind of a terrible publication yes but no there's like full-on paparazzi for these lottery winners the whole time yeah and there were 12 other lottery winners yeah what was happening to the other lottery winners well no one cares about them as we established because it, and it's a good story you get yeah. her two million tips it's a good story for an entire bowling team to win though yeah that's <laughs> a balloon team a balloon team, <laughs> a balloon team would be wild <laughs> i don't even know what a balloon team is the balloon team won um, oh yeah, he does get, he gets shot because he stops a burglary yep. at a Korean deli and heroic, and this was the most unrealistic part of the film is that he, instead of, uh, instead of shooting, shooting at a burglar who's shooting at him, he throws a can at him and was like, I didn't want to hit any passerby. And I was like, right. sure. <laughs> a cop not using his gun. Sure. Um, yeah, so then Avon uses her money to buy the coffee shop, and she is very cute. Her, her redo of the coffee shop is very cute. And also, she has a table that she names after Charlie that is for anyone who can't afford a meal. They can come in and eat there. So, again, these two are so selfless. Um, and they, uh, oh, then they go on their sort of date, not date, because they both miss the boat party? The boat party, which is where... Uh, <laughs> the rich people party? Our girl Rosie Perez meets, uh, meets Jack Gross. Jack Gross. Who unfortunately turns out to be a bad person, but yeah. I wanted it to work out for them. I really wanted them to be it, because he is this old man who I guess we assume is rich, because he's giving her all this advice about how to invest money, and she is um, genuinely yeah. seems to be into him. Um, and of course he's into her because she's Rosie Perez. And, um, yeah, they have a nice time in this boat. He's probably also into her because she's recently won the lottery and yes. is a little bit naive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But 
I wish that it had been actually like. I know. I wanted that. I was like, look at these two greedy people. Just be happy, be happy and greedy together. Yeah. That's fine. Um, but yeah, they, they, Yvonne and, and Charlie end up having this night will not date together because they miss the boat and, um, oh, they have so much in common. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then this they is where. They seem like they sort of accidentally crash a wedding. Yeah, they do. <laughs> They're in this restaurant where the wedding is happening at the same time, but like just right in the next room over. And I'm like, why wouldn't they close the whole place down for? Yeah, something it's like, like they that? seated. Weird. They seated people on the um, porch outside, and then the actual restaurant inside is where the wedding is. And I was like, odd. <laughs> Can you imagine? Just like you're sitting on a patio, and there's just there's a glass a wall happening. where a wedding is happening, and you're like, oh, should we go? It feels like this should be a private event. Feels like this is probably a lot of work for the kitchen and the staff to be yeah. having to take orders while this wedding is happening. Yeah. I thought, so the, the, what made me laugh about the wedding was that I thought for the most part, most of the fashion didn't look too outdated in this film um, because it was either Rosie Perez's iconic looks or Avon just sort of dressed very like plainly. plainly. Um, the wedding party, though, had the most, like, big, the giant shoulder pads, the sequins, the beads, the big hair. I was like, yes, that's what I want. Um, yeah, so then, like, Yvonne and Charlie obviously really like each other, spend a lot of time together, start just, you know, having fun, uh, spending money on other people. They start doing, like, you know, silly things with it, which Muriel does not like. Muriel is Rosie Perez. Yes. We haven't made that clear. Yeah. So then she tells, you know, um, Charlie that she wants a divorce. Muriel is such a weird name for Rosie Perez. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. No, I was just going to ask. Is it a Spanish name? I don't picture a Spanish person with the name Muriel. Yeah. I thought it was like an Italian name. Ooh. She doesn't look like a Muriel is all I'm saying. Yeah. It sounds like kind of an old lady name to me. True, but, you know, back in the day, in the 90s, uh, maybe it wasn't such a woman. It's an English name. Oh, Irish. Yeah, that's a weird name for... For Rosie Perez. For Rosie Perez. Uh, I think of Muriel's Wedding, which I think is Italian. That's why I was like, is it an Italian name? Um, yeah, it didn't really fit her. That's why I just continued to call it Rosie Perez. Yeah. The whole film. <laughs> um... Yeah, yeah, and they they agreed to get a divorce, which wouldn't be terrible, except yeah. that, well, they have she their... She kind of assumes that he's cheating on her with the waitress. That is fair. Which is very fair. They spend he a lot kind of time. Of they're making big eyes at each other. They haven't had sex or kissed or anything, but... They're spending a lot of time together. they are absolutely having an affair. Yeah, and there's, like, kind of the... They sort of assume that they actually knew each other before he promised her the $2 million, Which I think is also fair. It's hard to know how much time has actually passed. Again. Um, We don't know. We don't know how much time has passed. They do fall for each other pretty quickly. to completely renovate her apartment. Yeah. And like we said, you know. Seemingly like months. Get boob jobs. So, um, but because they did fall so fast, it's like, how do you prove that they didn't know each other before then? Right. Um, So yeah, he's willing to like give up his share, his two million for her. He's like, yeah, you can have it. And but then she says, uh, you know, her lawyer says she, she's going to take all four million. Um, so then they have this big court case. Um, and would there be a jury? 
in a divorce case like that? In a divorce case. I don't feel like there would be. Isn't a jury for, like, criminal proceedings? Yes. I don't think that for financial stuff you have a jury. Certainly not for a divorce. No. I guess that the actual court case is over that money, but I think that's still part of the divorce. the divorce case. Uh, well, they did clearly, they, the way that the lawyer was asking questions, I know very little about the law, but I know everything he asked was a leading question. Yeah. <laughs> Every single question he asked was definitely a leading, he was leading the witness. Yeah, I'm definitely a little confused about that court case. The, the court case was pure drama. It had nothing to do with how That court the case law was works. like, this is how court cases work in other movies. Yes. So that's how this court case will work in this yes, movie. Yes, it was like someone had only ever seen, you know. My cousin Vinny. <laughs> They'd only ever seen movies with murder cases, and they were like, sure, divorce. That's how they do that. Um, yeah, so it was very dramatic, but not very realistic. And they lose, and so they lose all the money. But the, Okay, so this was the other thing. They said all $4 million, which means all the money they spent. Are they going to have to pay it back? That's sort of the implication. Right. when they have that first meeting, he was like, including... And then, like, she was losing the restaurant. Yeah, she ordered, she lost the restaurant. I was very confused because it seemed like the signage was already gone and it wasn't being used for anything yet. Yes. it. I, yeah. Again, it was like, how much time has passed? And then she gets it back again. I'm like, is she just not paying the rent? Is that what's happening? Is she getting foreclosed on? Maybe it was, yeah. I don't know. She wasn't paying the rent. But even if she wasn't paying the rent, it would have to like be the next month. You know, right? like a whole month would have to pass. Yeah. No, it was weird. No one knew how much time passed. <laughs> it was five years. I don't know. Um, yeah, so but she lose. runs away, and she runs away because she's like, "I've ruined your life. You had four million dollars, and now you have nothing." And oh wait, I wrote it down because the line was was great. Um, I wrote, "They don't need money. They have love." <laughs> <laughs> oh. She says, because of me, I you have nothing. And he says, because of you, I have you. Oh. Oh. So, yeah, he uh, can't <laughs> find her, can't find her. This big, there's this cute scene because he finds her at her coffee shop. And, you know, they uh, are bonding and they kiss and they're like, we got nothing, but we got each other. Um, and so then they're talking about like, well, I guess, you know, I, we could move out of the city because it seems like everyone knows who we are and it's hard to exist right now and then isaac hayes who we still don't know who isaac <laughs> comes hayes up is, in a disguise he comes up in a disguise and knocks on the window it's at night it's raining but they let him in so that they can you know feed him something and, and they he eat soup while they dance well next to him they are slow dancing and talking about their future and i was like Hey, you know, if you did invite a stranger in to feed him, it would this be real weird to do this next five feet away from him. Um, and they're, you know, discussing, like, what they're going to do and how much they love each other. And he's secretly taking pictures with what is in, in the 90s, a tiny camera. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like and a, he scurries away. And, and he, he scurries away. Um, writes his article about how they're still in love even though they lost everything. Yes, because it turns out he is a reporter at the New York Post for 10 years. Really the cause for all of their problems. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's the person who's been writing on these. I I don't know. Is he the person who's been writing on the mean stuff? All the mean headlines? All of the headlines were accurate. Yeah. Well, yeah, except for like, there were a couple during the trial that were like, 
mean. That were mean. But they, they were like, uh, she's cheated. She's, I don't know. Yeah, stole the money and I don't it know. It was like framed a little bit that, you know, she was like, somebody else says that she's a nymphomaniac. Yes. Uh, which was not implied by anyone in the courtroom. I think it was implied by the fact that she's still married to her husband and in love with this guy. Yeah. Which, I mean, which, to like, be honest, Which, like, stretching the definition of nymphomaniac a little bit. But... Yes. But she, they hadn't gotten a divorce at the beginning because she didn't have enough money to, like, take him to, you know, yeah. to apparently have a jury trial um, to get a divorce. <laughs> um, which is how it worked in 1994. Um, but by the end of the film, I'm like, months have passed. Enough time has you passed for Nicolas Cage and Rosie Perez to get a divorce. Enough time has passed for her to start a business and remodel the coffee shop. She to be fair, used that I money. think that the uh, Rosie Perez-Nick Cage divorce was mutual. Yes. And I think Stanley Tucci would have been. She was obviously going to have to take him to court to, like, get him yeah. to divorce. Like, he was not going to sign anything. But she could have done that because she had $2 million. Yeah. So that is kind of on her at the end. I'm like... I mean, at that point, don't they both have $2 million? Yeah, that's the thing. Is I'm like... Yeah. They're technically still married. Yeah. I don't know. I'm surprised there wasn't a plot point where he stole her money. Yeah. So, anyway. He was just there to be annoying. Uh, Yeah, so he writes a story about how, like, they're in the darkest part of their life, and, um, and yet they were so generous to him, and... And all this stuff. It's very nice. Um, wait, what do you what do you think about their plan to go to Buffalo oh. to escape uh, the city life? Well, that's that's not what they said. We have to escape New York. We have to get out of New York because everyone knows we're here. And we'll go to Buffalo because my cousin is a cop there. So here's the thing. Buffalo is the same state as New York. And it's the New York lottery, so I don't see why they wouldn't be just as bothered by the media in Buffalo as they were by the media in New York. Yeah. If not more so, because it's a much smaller place. But I, okay. And And there's, like, not nearly as much going on in Buffalo. I think they probably should have gone to a different state, but I also think that, like, you gotta remember in the early 90s, like, before the internet, if you didn't, like, people didn't know who everyone was, like, they do now. Like, the stories don't spread that Or did they know each other better, Liz? Because... as someone we've from... gotten so much further apart as we've gotten closer together. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I also think that Buffalo is still a huge city, and they could be anonymous there. It's only huge compared to uh, Menor, Ohio. No, Florida. it's huge compared to most places. It's very small compared to New York City. Very small compared to New York City, still, I think, a big city. And if you were on the, like, people could find out and then it would spread. But, like, I don't think if you showed up, people would be like, oh, those are the lottery winners. Maybe. <laughs> they had TV in the 90s. Yeah, I guess. I just feel like we didn't know who people were unless we, like, watched daytime television or something. There were a lot of, like, I don't know. Everyone knew who Joan Bonet Ramsey was. That was a murder of a child. Listen, the way they were covering those lottery winners, <laughs> it might as well have been the murder of a fair child. Enough, fair enough. Anyway. And the New York Post, front page of the New York Post, every time something happened. Yeah. And the New York Post gets distributed in Buffalo. I guess. I still don't think that Buffalo is a small town, which is how you're talking about it. It's you're smaller like, than Pittsburgh. It, it's smaller than Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh's And Pittsburgh's the, small. I just think that, look... 
it's not small town or big city, which seems to be what you're saying. Like, either you live in a small town or a big city. And I'm like, there are cities that are not small towns. Pittsburgh is a very large town. No. Yeah. <laughs> Pittsburgh is one of the biggest cities in the U.S. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Pittsburgh is like... In the bottom half of cities in the U.S. I, look, Toledo's a big city, but it's nowhere near as big as Columbus. No, absolutely not. So, but Toledo is a city. Yeah, Columbus is one of the biggest cities in the U.S. Yes, it is. It's bigger than Pittsburgh. I Probably because of all the suburbs. But I think that you're underestimating how big Pittsburgh is. I'm not. I don't this is wild. Pittsburgh's the 68th largest city in the U.S. Yeah. It's a big city. It's not that big. I feel insane. <laughs> There's so many people in the city. It's not that many. I. It's so small. I grew up in a city that was 10,000 people. That's not a city. It's a city. It's not a Legally city. Legally, a city. Our definitions of what a city counts as are different. Obviously. <laughs> this is obviously true. I feel crazy But right you live in a rural place. Yeah. But I'm saying there's more than just like there's your small town or a giant city. There's and urban like, and rural. <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> I can't believe I'm having this conversation right now. Anyways. They don't make it to Buffalo, guys. They don't make it to Buffalo. <laughs> Long story short... Uh, they stop at the diner one last time, and they can't open the door because there's so many letters in there. And I feel like there were a bunch of 90s movies that were like, the, the movie is solved at the end because they get a bunch of letters. I don't I don't know if I can back that up. I know one other movie that this happens in, and that is uh, Miracle on 34th Street. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but letters used to be a lot more important. Um, but there's just like so many... Uh, Letters from people who read their story, and they it says they took three days to open the mail, and they got $600,000 from people, um, just giving them, like, five or ten dollars uh, in their little things that were like, you guys are so nice. Here's um, some money. Uh, so they reopen the coffee shop, and he goes back to being a cop, and they get married, and uh, they live happily ever after, and they throw a bunch of hearts out of a Oh, yeah, the hot air balloon, balloon at the end. <laughs> and Liz is like, that's just littering. <laughs> I was upset. I was like, that's littering. You can't do that. Because <laughs> Liz hates romance. I do. I, do. I hate litter. <laughs> Liz really hates litter. I really hate litter. Um, yeah, Even and then, when the litter is romantic. Yeah, especially when the litter is romantic. Confetti at weddings? Get out of here. <laughs> what are you doing? Absolutely not. Throw rice. That's fine. It won't kill the birds before anyone says it. That is a rumor. I thought it was real. No, people think that that the rice will make their stomachs explode. Yeah, something like that. It it won't. It's not great for them. It's like junk food. So maybe throw bird seed. That's what I'll say. Throw bird seed at your wedding. Uh, so <laughs> this just made me think of um. The founder of the Girl Scouts, um, Lowe, something, Harriet Lowe or something like that. Sure. She went deaf because at her wedding, a thing of rice went in her ear and it burst her eardrum. And she went deaf in that ear. Don't throw rice at your wedding. Yeah. Don't throw anything at your wedding. That's what I'll... I like the bubbles. Bubbles. bubbles We did that at the last wedding I was at. It was great. Bubbles. Do some bubbles. Um, 
don't throw anything out of a hot air balloon. What Can't about rice? You Can you throw rice out of a No! <laughs> You'll, you will make people go deaf. <laughs> Actually, I feel like throwing rice from that high up might be... Dangerous? Might be painful. I don't yeah. think it'll actually, like, kill anyone, but if you got hit from rice that was thrown... It'd be like hail. Right? Yeah, it'd be like... When you're walking in the sleep and it's, like, whacking you on the face. Yeah, absolutely. Don't throw anything out of a hot air balloon, guys. Um, and poor Muriel, it did marry the old man, but he was a con man. And he took her money and fled the country and she had to go back and live with her mom. She didn't deserve it. She didn't. Um, alright, so we thought this movie was okay. Um. Yeah, it's cute if you want to watch a a rom-com. What do you think about the Rotten Tomatoes scores? Oh, I I think it's probably a a 70%. Yeah, that's a good guess. 71% for critics. Uh, Audiences, 54%. Wow. Which I'm surprised by. I am surprised by that. Because I think if someone likes rom-coms, they would like this movie. Yeah, right? It seems like it would be kind of a classic. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Peter Travers from the Rolling Stones says... Sweetness is fine as far as it goes, but this oddball romance could have used a twist of lemon. <laughs> I mean, I get that. It's sort it's of... It's a little saccharine. It's a little saccharine. Everything works out in the end, even though everything goes wrong. Yeah. Like, no, like, when all the letters started coming in, I was like, people wouldn't do that, especially no. not New Yorkers. No. I think that they would, you would get some, but, like, not that many. No. You know? I'm sure, like, if they've been, like, they got... It'd be a very popular GoFundMe. $10,000. Right. It'd be, like, a GoFundMe, and, you know, maybe now they would get that much. they get that story to go national? Oh, yeah. Because sometimes when, when GoFundMes go uh, viral, people will get crazy amounts of money, so... But at that point, I think if they said, like, they got $10,000, I would be like, okay, Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, it seems like a lot. It took crazy. them three days to open the letters. Yeah. I was, I was like, like, what? People have nothing to do back then? That's so many letters. Maybe not. There's no People had a lot more initiative <laughs> in the 90s than now. I'm they not had sending to a letter. You a have to let, like, get a stamp. Write a check and put it in a letter and put it in an envelope and a, a stamp. That's so much work. Can't Couldn't be bothered. They didn't have the Facebook to take all their time away. That's right. Actually, it was like, TikTok. what? I need like, to fill what do it. I spend my time on? Oh, <laughs> like, I know. I I'll need send, to fill an hour. I'll send money to this nice police officer. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe they would. All right. I, you know, I'd, I'd send a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> I'd drop a dollar in like the tin that the guy put out at his business in the montage. Maybe. Maybe. I'd do that. I don't think I'd give any money to a cop. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Um, like, like you said, this movie was copaganda. It truly, it truly was. He was just like, I mean, like his whole character was just ridiculously selfless in a way that's like not realistic, not realistic, and also kind of boring. Mm-hmm. I I think that like anytime you have a character that's like that good, that you're just kind of like. Okay, right. and then just, like, bad things happen to him, and... And he's just like, that's okay, I, yeah. I still have this person who's the love of my life. Yeah, yeah, so it was fine. I'll take all the hits, it's all right. <laughs> like, I wanted to see him get a little weird or crazy or something, so it did need a twist of lemon. He got really defensive of, uh, Yvonne when, yeah. uh, when, uh, Muriel said that she was going after Yvonne's oh, money. here's one more trivia point for you. Yeah. 
the end when she when Rosie Perez comes in and has had a boob job mm-hmm. and like that's a joke in like the last half of the film. Um, those are Rosie Perez's real boobs, and they actually strapped them down for the first part of the film. Oh, interesting. To make them look smaller, and then at the end she just had her regular boobs out. <laughs> weird it's weird they're like we really like this joke but she already has big boobs so and she's obviously not gonna get a boob job for this movie yes um she doesn't need a boob job no she's got big boobs so yeah it was just a very silly thing that that i read that was a big joke in the 90s too the boob job boob jobs women getting boob jobs as soon as they get money (laughs) all right yep well yeah i think it might be time for what time is it Inside the cage! <laughs> We're running out of ways yeah. to say that. We're gonna come up with a different one we every gotta, time, though. We gotta start brainstorming. <laughs> I usually let the spark of creativity come to me, like, milliseconds before it comes out of my mouth. Yeah, and every time I do the same thing, so... That's good. <laughs> um... So this one is is I'm very excited about this. Uh, I get I got real pumped when I read about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, so we did know that uh, Nicholas Cage was doing a horror movie with Osgood Perkins. Um, Osgood Perkins is a horror director who's done a lot of artsy horror films. He did Gretel, um, the Hansel and Gretel movie. He did the Black Coat's Daughter, um, and. So we knew we were doing that, but we didn't really know what the movie was. Uh, they've announced that the movie is called Long Legs and that Nicolas Cage is going to be playing a serial killer and Micah Monroe is going to be playing the, I think, FBI agent who is looking for him. So it's very much like a, a Silence of the Lambs situation. Um, and Micah Monroe is also a horror movie veteran. Um, she was in It Follows. She was the main girl in It Follows, and she just did The Watcher last year, and The Watcher was really good. I haven't seen The Watcher. I did see It Follows, and that's, it was definitely a horror movie that, like, I was pretty freaked out by afterwards, but it's also one of my favorites, and it's also, like, it was filmed in Michigan, which is where I'm from, and it Detroit so much like Michigan the whole time. Mm -hmm. Like, her neighborhood is Northville, which is a suburb. And it looks like every single other suburb of Detroit. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the outside of, like, the the school with the swimming pool yes. is the old train station in New York, or in uh, New York, in Detroit. Ah. <laughs> and it's, like, kind of iconic. They're actually, uh, some big company, like, maybe Ford bought it uh, recently, and they're, yeah. like, kind of fixing it up. Yeah. Um, huh. But yeah, it's like an iconic building, and so it was weird to see it in the movie. Like, this is the school. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not, you dummy. <laughs> That's the train station. <laughs> um, it took me a long time to watch It Follows, because the premise freaked me out so much. It's scary. Yeah, I saw the trailer back before. I don't before like the, uh, slow people that look like people you know. I had so many nightmares after I saw the trailer. Um, but it's so good, and it's such a beautiful film. Um, so my, I love Micah. Micah? Mika. She was great and it follows. Yeah, she's wonderful. Um, and The Watcher is another very, like, sort of slow burn, um, atmospheric movie, and she uh, does a great job carrying a part that's, like, not a lot of... is very internalized. Um, so, yeah, I'm very excited to see this team up uh, between these three. It'll be fun to see uh, Nick Cage as a villain again, too. Yes. I like him as a villain, even if he doesn't like yes. to play them. And the John Car- in his interview with John Carpenter... 
he referred to this movie as he was playing a like he said something like a possessed Geppetto. Like weird. And I said, I'm excited. <laughs> I don't know what that means. That sounds scary. It sounds very scary. Some sort of evil puppet man. I don't know. Um yeah. So that's I mean, we don't have any timeline on when that's coming out, but I'm very excited he's making more horror films. There's a lot of uh projects that have been announced and I wonder how long it's going to take to actually get to see them. Yeah. Yeah. I think because our algorithms have been recalculated. We just get like all of all, like any, any, any and all Nicolas Cage. Anytime movies. someone's like, I might make a movie with Nicolas Cage, it it's like, shows up shows on our feeds. Yeah. <laughs> so, Although the Nicolas Cage, our podcast Instagram, which if you're not following, you should follow. Follow us on Instagram. Every reel is about Pedro Pascal for some reason. <laughs> because uh, we watch so many. It's because favorite. I've been clicking every Pedro Pascal <laughs> reel and only those just so I can be like, oh, yep, that's still I Pedro him. Pascal. I love him. <laughs> I mean, there's a crossover. You yeah. Can see, that's he was in our our first uh, our namesake film. Um, he's so good. He's so good. Every I love that he plays these like badass characters, and then every interview with him, he is absolutely total goon, a, and I love a, it. A huge goober. He's a goober <laughs> in unbearable weight of massive talent. That might be that's his, the closest to what he's actually closest like. to his real personality. Yeah. <laughs> it's just an absolute weirdo. <laughs> yeah, no, a hundred percent. That's the closest. Really thing he is to nice, himself. awkward weirdo. <laughs> And then you watch The Last of Us, and he is just this tortured badass. And I'm like, wow, he's a good actor. <laughs> this weird goober is really good at being sad. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's the truth about a lot of weird I goobers, think that, though. yeah. I think <laughs> most of my favorite goobers are really sad. <laughs> <laughs> I think that my friend type is uh, sad goober. <laughs> what the band is called <laughs> the sad goobers it's our next podcast i don't know what it's about but <laughs> just our lives <laughs> well these sad goobers are signing off <laughs> but we won't be sad because next time we're gonna watch peggy sue got married it's gonna be so weird and I it looks it. super weird i'm excited i didn't know it was so weird the trailer, at the very least, looks pretty weird. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like, we watched the trailer, and I... I think I, it's uh, one of my mom's favorite Nicolas Cage yeah. movies. And when I told her initially that we were doing this podcast, she always likes to tell a story of how she used to be able to do a really good impression of Nicolas Cage's voice in Peggy <sighs> Sue Got Married. And I would love if I could trick her into doing that voice. Yes. Us. Get her captured on the phone. Like, and we'll come on, mom. Do we'll the put Peggy it in Sue the podcast. <laughs> come on. It'll be fun. Uh, well, we'll join you guys next time. That's all. Stay cagey. Stay cagey. Bye. Hide your heart from sight. Lock your dreams at night. It could happen.